0: Welcome to Bethesda Broadcast, the podcast of Bethesda Church in Huron, South Dakota. We hope you enjoyed your Resurrection Sunday and are glad that you have chosen to join us today. Today, we get to hear Pastor Roy's message from Resurrection Sunday entitled, The Big Cover-Up, from Matthew 28, verses 1 through 15. We encourage you to open up your Bibles and follow along with Pastor Roy. Today I just uh, titled my talk, The Big Cover-Up. You know, when you look in our our news and our world, it's all about covering things up. Things that we don't want people to know about, right? I mean, we just look back in recent history in our world and we see the Benghazi attacks. Uh, The cover-up that took place, rather than us knowing the real story, they try to cover up the real story. We go back just a few years from that and we learn about Tiger Woods and his immorality and unfaithfulness to his wife. And one after another came out. It was a big cover up for years to cover up the truth. We go back a few years before that or somewhere in that time frame. uh, Bernie Madoff made off with a lot of money. Remember, he made off with a lot of people's money uh, to cover up what he was really, really doing. Those of us who are older, could even go back to Watergate. Remember President Nixon, the big cover-up, to cover up what was really, really happening. You know, one of the jobs of the enemy is to cover up the truth. He doesn't want people to know the truth, so he will do everything he can to cover up the truth and reality. And even as little kids, isn't it true when we're little kids, sometimes we do something wrong And so, because we don't want to get in trouble, we cover up what the reality really is. And so, we can see that over and over. One of the uh, most amazing stories uh, I read about on the internet about a cover-up was a young man, 35 years old. He was from Ravenna, Ohio. He had a 1997 BMW. And the engine blew in it, wouldn't run at all. And because it's such an expensive car and he would have had a big bill, he didn't want to pay the big bill. So in order to cover it up and collect the insurance money, he rented a backhoe in 2002 and he went to his dad's property and he dug a big hole and he buried the BMW in a hole. So he could collect $20,000. Well, they eventually found out and went to the authorities and he admitted that he tried to conceal the truth. And that's where we are in our world. Because why? The enemy, the Bible says, the devil is a liar from the beginning. He lies and he does not live according to the truth. So he wants to shield us from the truth. There are so many people who shy away from the truth, who shy away from church, who shy away from the Bible because it exposes the truth. It tells us the truth. And even as we read the resurrection account, and I want us to read through this resurrection account, because what the chief priests and the Sanhedrin tried to do was cover up the truth instead of allowing the truth to speak for itself. So if you have a Bible with you this morning and you would like to follow along, in Matthew chapter 28, we have one of the accounts of the resurrection. Matthew 28. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went to the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, You are to say... His disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. The first thing we see in this story is the conversation of the soldiers Now, remember, the soldiers had witnessed what had happened. They witnessed the truth of what really, really happened. And they were so scared. It says they were like dead men. They were catatonic. They were absolutely dazed. And I I would say they were scared spitless about what they saw. I mean, think about it. They experienced this incredible shaking earthquake that was so significant We don't know what it was on the Richter scale, but we do know this. There was a huge stone that sealed the tomb and it broke the seal and it moved that stone, which was not a pebble. And it rolled it out of the way. And then there's this angel from heaven that descends in bright white light in radiance. And the angel is speaking and they observe all this. And then they see inside the tomb that the body of Jesus is gone. So they witness the reality of the truth. They run to the chief priest and they try to explain this. Now, can you imagine witnessing something like that and going before the chief priest and trying to explain what happened? You'd be tripping over your words. I mean, you you couldn't get it out to explain what happened. The chief priests hear it, and what is the response of the chief priest? Silence. I find that interesting silence why were they silent I think they were silent because two reasons one they knew the Roman soldiers had no reason to fabricate that story there was nothing in it for them they never really believed in the resurrection there was nothing in it for them so why would they lie about the story they just simply shared the truth So there was no reason for them to fabricate the story. The second reason I believe they were silent is because they also knew the Roman soldiers were reliable witnesses. They knew that what they said was the truth. These were battle-hardened soldiers who knew the truth. And I think they really deep down believed the report. But they denied it. So what did the chief priests do? After that conversation with the soldiers... They go to get counsel from the Sanhedrin. Who is the Sanhedrin? The Sanhedrin is the supreme court of the day in Israel. They are the ruling council. They come before them and, and share this story. And they're like, what are we going to do about this? I mean, how are we going to handle this? What, how are we going to... We can't just let this story get out. Um, I don't know how many of you are campers. You have the, uh, the air mattress... You know, once you pull it out of the box and you blow it up, you know, and, you, and then you use it and then you try to put it back in the box, it never fits. Have you ever noticed that? It just does not go back in the box. Well, that's the way this story was. It was like, once this story's out, it's not going back in the box. <laughs> it's not going back. So they could not let it get out. They wanted to stop this story. So they concoct this plan to say, well, let's say... The body is stolen. And how are they going to perpetuate that lie? How are they going to get the Roman soldiers who were actually eyewitnesses to what had happened perpetuate this lie? Because they saw and they knew what the truth was. Well, they gave them a large sum of money. Money talks, doesn't it? The motivation behind the lie was the money they were going to be given you'll remember somebody else who sold Jesus too for 30 pieces of silver in Judas so money talks and so that's what they did they concoct this plan to conceal the story says in Matthew 28 12 they gave large sums of money unto the soldiers they were bribed to fudge the facts to fudge reality the method that they were going to use to conceal the story was a lie. In Matthew 28, 13, it says, telling them you are to say, his disciples came during the night and stole him away while you were asleep. Now, John Butler, who was a pastor and theologian, offers nine ways why this lie is absolutely absurd. Number one, The first way this lie is absurd is because the soldiers could not have known what had happened if they were asleep. If you're asleep, you can't observe what's going on. And they were going to say the body was stolen while they were asleep. You can't have it both ways. You can't be awake and asleep at the same time. So it's absurd to say that they were sleeping and they knew what was going on. So that's that's number one. Number two, the lie was absurd because all the soldiers would not have been asleep at the same time. There would be between 12 and 60 Roman soldiers guarding that tomb. And it's hard to imagine that 12 to 60 people would all be asleep at the same time. And no one witnessed what was going on. So that's the second lie that is absurd. Another reason the lie was absurd is because it is impossible that the soldiers would have slept through the commotion of the stealing of the body. I mean, think about it. They would have to come in, break the seal, roll the stone away, all this noise that they would have been making, and nobody woke up? I mean, that's absurd. So there's another reason why it was absurd. A fourth reason the lie was absurd is because the disciples had no motivation to steal the body. They did not believe and understand the resurrection. So they would not have promoted the resurrection. They would not have taken the body to promote the resurrection. And even if they would, what good would it do if Jesus' body was dead? The fifth reason the lie is absurd is because the disciples did not have the courage to steal the body. Think about it. What happened when Jesus was on trial and when Jesus was being charged, they all fled. They all ran from him when he was arrested and deserted him while he was alive. If you desert him while he's alive, you're not going to stand up for him when he's dead. The sixth reason the lie is absurd is because the disciples would not have left the wrappings of the body in the tomb. Think about it. They're going to go past all these Roman soldiers. They're going to move the stone. They're going to go in and they're going to just take their time and unwrap the body that's already decomposing and smelly and slippery and slimy, and they're going to unwrap it and leave the cloth there and take the body. That's absurd. You wouldn't do that. You would get out of there as quickly as you possibly can. The seventh lie, and the reason it is absurd, is because no one searched... For the body. If the body was in fact stolen and they believed it was stolen, why didn't they send somebody to go look for it? Nobody went and looked for the body. Because they didn't believe it. The eighth reason the lie is absurd is because the guard, the guards were not punished. If they in fact failed in their task and allowed the body to be stolen, they probably would have been executed. But they weren't executed. They were told to lie, to cover it up. And then the ninth reason this lie is absurd is because the disciples were not apprehended. One theologian said stealing of this kind was a capital crime. The disciples were never brought to court. They were never charged with anything. And so there's nine ways that lie is absurd. The chief priest, deep down, knew the resurrection had happened. Some people will say, I believe in the resurrection. I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe he was resurrected from the tomb. That in itself is not saving faith. That is agreeing with some facts about the gospel, and that's good, but that is not saving faith. Saving faith is agreeing with God that I'm a sinner, that I violated his law, that I've broken his law. Because you see, a person can verbally agree that there is a God in heaven, but if you do not surrender your life to him and worship him, your verbal agreement will only condemn you. You can verbally agree that Jesus died on the cross and that he rose from the dead. If you only agree with that verbally, that's not saving faith, and that verbal agreement will only condemn you. You see, we have to put our faith and trust in Jesus. We have to believe the Bible says that we are conceived in sin. See, there's another lie of the enemy, and that is this that everybody in church is better than me. You know, this person over here is better because they go to church all the time. This person's better. And, and so we come in and we get this lie, this understanding that this person is better than me, that person. Uh, none of us are better than anybody else. Because the Bible says we are all sinners. We all deserve God's wrath. We all deserve God's judgment. I am not better than you and you are not better than me. None of us are better than anybody else. We all deserve God's eternal wrath and judgment. But Jesus Christ died on the cross. And here's the thing. And rose from the dead the third day. And the devil doesn't want people to believe it. He wants to cover it up with a lie. Same with creation. What do we have now? Schools teaching evolution. To cover up the lie that God is the creator. Anything we can do to take away God's glory and His authority and His power. And then we try to poke holes in the Bible and say, well, that's not really true. But no one has been able to disprove or discredit the Bible. Clear back in the 4th century, they were going to destroy the Bible. All the Bibles. So we would never have a copy of the Bible. And it has never happened. It's an indestructible book. And reality. Jesus Christ died on the cross because all of us are sinners. All of us deserve to be separated from God forever. That is the truth that should never be covered up because it is the only hope we have of salvation and eternal life with Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so this is the great story of Easter. It's the crux of Christianity. Crux is Latin for cross. The crux of Christianity. The cross is the crux of Christianity. And it's the very thing that many people scoff at and deny. And yet it's our only hope of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here today... And you recognize you're a sinner. You understand that. I understand it. I know I am. But I also understand what God has done for me through the person of Jesus Christ in sending His Son to die for my sin, and to die for your sin. And it is the only remedy, the Bible, or the, the, as the songwriter said, what can wash away my sin? And the answer is nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. It is the only thing that can wash away your sin. And when your sin is washed away, God will take away your guilt. He'll take away your condemnation. He'll take away your fear. And he will give you peace and joy and his righteousness. Notice I said his righteousness, not my righteousness. I am not righteous. God gives me his righteousness through Jesus Christ, his son. That's the wonderful story of Easter. And we don't want to ever cover up that story. And that's what the enemy tries to do. Why do we want to take Christmas away and winter holiday? You know, we want to constantly remove anything that has to do with the cross, anything that has to do with Christ, and cover it up. And sadly, sadly, our government promotes a lot of that to cover up the reality. So if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I know that there are no accidents. You are not here by accident this morning. Jesus Christ has... Brought you here through a friend, a relative, some way you have a connection. Or maybe he's just stumbled in. But you are here not by accident. And God wants to speak to you. God wants a personal relationship with you so much that he sent Jesus to the cross to die for you. And I am convinced that if I would have been the only person on the face of the earth, Jesus would have died just for me. If you would have been the only person on the face of the earth, God wants a relationship with you, he would have died just for you. That's reality. And I am so thankful that God uncovered that story so we could understand who Jesus is and what he did. So we can have a personal relationship with him. Let's stand for a word of prayer. Right before I pray, I love the words of George Herbert. George Herbert was an English poet in the 16th and 17th century. He said this, death used to be an executioner, but the gospel has made him just a gardener. I love that. Death used to be an executioner, but the gospel has made him just a gardener. Praise him. I would ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. And while you're doing that, let me ask you on this Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday 2016, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? I did not say, have you been baptized? I did not say, do you go to church? I did not ask you if you read your Bible or if you prayed. I ask you, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? Do you have assurance of your salvation that when you pillow your head tonight, if you were not to wake up tomorrow morning, that you would be in the presence of God? And do you know why you would be in the presence of God? In other words, what are you basing your eternal destination on? Your goodness, your good works, your righteousness, your good deeds will fall short of the glory of God. The Bible says that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The only thing that God will accept is the death of Jesus on the cross as payment for our sin. Have you accepted the death of Jesus on the cross as payment for your sin? Do you have assurance? Or... Is the Holy Spirit convicting you, and you feel a sense of guilt, or maybe shame, or fear, or uncertainty about your eternal destiny? It's a very important decision, and I would encourage you not to walk out of here if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and tugging on your heart on the inside would you talk to Him right there in your seat and would you say, God, I recognize today that I'm a sinner. And I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sin and shed His blood so I could be forgiven and become His child. God, forgive me. Come into my life and make me a new person. And with that, if you pray that prayer today, would you take the time to share that with myself so I know and can pray with you And also that we can get you some resources so you can grow in your faith, and your relationship with God. It is the most important decision you will ever make in your life. And if you don't make that decision for God, you have made a decision, at least at this point. So I would encourage you. Or if you have questions and you would like to talk with someone, please speak to myself afterwards. Or someone else maybe that came with you about your eternal destiny. We would encourage you to do that. Thank you for coming today and being a part of our Easter service. Let's pray. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is Bethesda.m.org. B.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy.org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.